Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Courtside Sound Out Podcast once again. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Obviously, UC Vegas 41, some Bellator stuff, Fedor, Tim Johnson going down this weekend. As always, quick shout out to our sponsor, Rogue Energy's code Sound Off a checkout for 10% off your all energy needs. Use code Sound Off once again at dopey.com to get yourself some nice cookie dough to enjoy during the fights this weekend. Last Saturday night, Angel, uh, it was an event. Uh, there's no way around this one. Uh, UFC Vegas 40 from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. UFC putting on women featherweight fight. Uh, main event, Norma Dumont defeating Aspen Ladd in quite a big upset, my guy. Um, however, most of the talk was not about the fight itself. Um, most people said it was terrible. I thought it was okay-ish. Most of the talk was about Aspen Ladd's very, very disappointing performance really not throwing much of anything at all within the first three rounds and the controversy coming after the fight uh, with some people being critical, uh, Misha Tate most notably of her um, coach's corner work saying that it was too harsh, abusive language, all that stuff. I'm just going to go ahead and get your quick thoughts. First of all, on the upset Norma Dumont kind of not really getting her due. And second of all, on Aspen Ladd's performance, man, and also the coaching. I mean, they both, and this is something I heard afterwards. I uh, I heard people saying they both lefting left us wanting more out of both of them, right? Like even though Norma won, she won, but it wasn't anything crazy impressive. And also Aspen didn't perform up to her standard, right? Or at least what we hope her standard is. And that could be because of her, you know, when she, her you know her last loss she had where she got put out by Jermaine, and you know that's made her more cautious. And that's the thing, right? We've seen it time and time again. You know, a fighter gets knocked out for the first time in their career. They're a little bit more hesitant. They don't want to get touched when they go in. They don't want to take those risks anymore. And it affects their fight, you know, their fighting style and their fighting game plan against other opponents. And, you know, it could be the case of it here, man. Uh, obviously, with the whole coaching thing, I mean, it's, it's been a bit overblown by me, you know what I mean? I, uh, it's, or not by me, but by by people, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, look. It's it's sports are designed to push people, you know. Let, let's be 100. percent That's that's really what sports are designed for. They're, they're competition. It's designed to push people and obviously and compete, right? Uh, and when you compete at the highest level, especially in a, in a sport where you hurt someone else, you know, it, you know, you they're doing this because they want her to win and because they don't want her to get hurt either. You know, they want her to perform so she comes out on top and does it in a way where she comes out and makes it home every night, right? You know, and sometimes you have to, and you know, they want her to react. You know, they 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 understand her not reacting, so they have to use other ways for her to react, and that's why they spoke to her the way they did. And look, there's there's been way worse things that have been said by coaches. I was telling the Josh story about this earlier that I can't say on air. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I can. Well, someone else said it on air. I'm not yeah, gonna go repeat it. Essentially, there was a coach at a at a don't college use exact language. I don't want to get flagged. <laughs> go ahead. That uh, <laughs> that Schwab gets to and. The coach, you know, threatened the the. I think it was it was I think it was I don't know who it was. To he threatened one of the players not to fumble the ball anymore. He was like, if you fumble the ball, the ball, I'm gonna you know sleep with your mom. That's essentially what I told him. And he was you know making fun of the kid, essentially built you know bewildering him, making fun of the house he came from, like where he lived at, that it, that he's gonna go to the shitty house in Texas that he lived at, 
and all this shit and you know telling that he was gonna send his mom a picture of his uh genitals you know and he you know pulled up the phone number in front of all the football team like yeah this is your mom's phone number you know i'm gonna call her i'm gonna call her tonight you know they're telling him all this kid oh yeah and i never mentioned this part of the story josh the kid never fumbled the ball again so it worked oh okay well it worked it worked but you know obviously that was a another that was an extreme case compared to what aspen went through mm-hmm. yeah and ultimately i really think that um you know I think whenever we're talking about coaching, and it's something I mentioned on Twitter this past week, some of you guys may have seen it, but like I think the bigger issue in terms of my coaching for the situation is not what he said, um, it's what he didn't say. I think that if you listen to the coaching, I listened to, you know, I, there's a clip that came out this week, I think it might have been BT Sport, who actually put in, they did like a compilation of all five minutes worth of the coaching. After round two, round one and two, he was giving her some good advice on how to get inside, how to get away from Norma's jab, because Full credit to it. Norman Dumont actually had a great game plan for this fight, um, despite fighting a completely different opponent, you know, never really facing anybody of Aspen's uh, stature um, and in terms of, like, ability. I mean, her best win before this was Felicia Spencer in a split decision fight that was not very entertaining. And she went out there and put it on Aspen Lab for five rounds. But anyways, back to the coaching part. Like, first rounds, you could give her some technical advice, how to get inside, you know, go to the other side, so on and so forth. Um some of the punches, yada, yada, yada. After round three, he kind of just got fed up and started yelling at her. And full credit, I mean, she did better. She was still losing, but she did do better after being yelled at. My issue was he didn't really mi- – it's going to sound weird. He didn't mix in the yelling and then also giving her technical advice. Like, he didn't do that. Um, and I thought some of his advice in the earlier rounds was fine. But like, I, my personal big issue with this situation is an overarching problem with you know, him as a person, really. Um, which I'm not going to get into, uh, at least not here. I'm sure if you guys follow me on Twitter, I'm sure you've seen a little bit of it because obviously Aspen, um, that's a very, that's a precarious situation there, dating your coach. So that's a difficult thing to navigate. So, I mean, first of all, I'll say this much. Norma Dumont did not get the credit she deserved for that win. Afterwards, she pitched a uh, an interim title fight with Holly Holm for, one, for women's 145. I'm fine with that just because I don't think Nunes, Nunes is not very active in general. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that because she's so like head and shoulders above her contemporaries to where it doesn't really matter. Um, but I think the UFC might actually be taken 145 seriously. I think I've got a we've got a weird feeling about it. I know a piece came out from KHI Press. Uh, shout out them. Shout out my job. Um, <laughs> came out from them earlier this week when our fellow writers put something out about like UFC looks like they're actually going to take 145 seriously. They had this fight. Obviously, Nunez is still there. There's another one women's 145 fight going out down soon with uh, Felicia Spencer and Leah Letson. Danielle Wolf is still signed. Zara Farron is still signed. Um, and then obviously looking at getting Kayla Harrison. So I think they're going to take 145 seriously. What would be a good step in that? Norma Dumont versus Holly Holm next. Um, I really don't think that poor girl is getting the respect she deserved because of all the controversy. And I thought she actually had a great game plan. Her jab looked great. She had really, really good takedown defense. Even when her Aspen like got her down, she was able to reverse, get a top position, get to you know, get to guard, land some good stuff from the top. So full credit to Norma Dumont. I thought that was actually you know a good performance by her. That was really kind of lost in all the uh, the madness, or um, really just the controversy, I guess. Uh, but I'm more interested in the old vets in this card, my man, and I'm sure you are as well. So let's go ahead and crack into it. Co-main event: Andre Arlovski, Carlos Felipe. Dude, Arlovski is still doing the damn thing. At the age of 42, he said he's trying to go for a George Foreman-esque run. 
Uh, he said uh, jokingly to Eric Hawani, this, I believe it would have been yesterday, he said along the lines of, uh, for him with four to six, so I got about four four good years to go ahead and get him. Um, so, and dude, he's won four or five fights. He beat a young guy in Felipe who is undefeated in the UFC going into this. First of all, what are your thoughts on him continuing the fight? And also, I know that some people actually did score the fight for Felipe, so I'm curious about your scorecard. It was a close fight, man. I mean, Felipe's had those close decisions. It was finally, finally his time to be on the other end of it, right? <laughs> you know, let's, let's you, you gotta, you can only win so many like that. And also, and you know, at the end of the day, man, you, you don't want ever the fight to be that close. You know what I mean? Let's be 100 percent mm-hmm. real. You should never let the fight get that close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I always thought Orlovsky was too. I mean, for the record, I scored it for Orlovsky, 29-28. I thought he was tuning him up, round one, round two. I thought he still clearly took the round, but you know, Felipe did land a good combination in the end. I was pleasantly surprised that the judges got it correct. I was very, very surprised um, that he, you know, got the win. I expected Felipe to pull out another split decision win, th- third or fourth one in a row, I believe, had he would have gotten it, but in the end he didn't. So Shadow Arlovsky still doing the damn thing. Man, wouldn't wouldn't it be a story if he could go on that four and esque run? I'm not gonna rule it out. I mean, he's still he's still looking good, man. So. Shout I mean, you got to give him a ranked appointment next, right? Who would he get? Uh, fuck. I mean, if you look at the rankings, let me take a quick look. I mean, it'd be a guy down low, right? It'd be like, he said he wants a ranked guy, and he, he deserves one at this point in time. You think he gets a Blagoy Ivanov type, maybe? Ranked 13? I could see that happening. I could see him having a rematch of Wal Harris. Uh, or possibly maybe a rematch of Tybora. Actually, Tybora's book. I don't, He's booked with Volkov, so that'd be a while. So probably Walt Harris. Walt Harris is unbooked. Well, wasn't well? Isn't Walt Harris supposed to fight? Uh, what's his name? He was scheduled to fight somebody, but he had to pull out recently. Not recently, uh, but homeboy. Oh my God, why am I blanket on it? Shoey man. Oh God, why am I? Ivasa. Oh, uh, yeah, he was scheduled to fight him. He had to pull out. So I'm assuming they still would want to do that, right? Unless well, he, they wanted... he got replaced with somebody. I don't know who that Oh, okay. So that's been a – he got an official replacement because I remember – Yeah, I believe so. Okay, because I remember that got chalked like fully. Like they didn't have anybody there. Okay. Yeah, I believe that he had um, – he was replaced. Let me double check though. Yeah, he yeah Sakai was in. Okay, Sakai, Sakai in. Was, was awesome. Still a banger. Okay. Yeah, so – yeah, I think if Walt Harris, whatever he – like if he's all right – you know, God willing, then we could see that. Maybe Sergei Spivak would be fine as well. But he's got to face somebody ranked to you. I mean, well, he's Spivak's undefeated. Five. I don't know if they would want to do that. You know what I mean? No, he's not. Spivak, oh, no, no, I'm thinking of, what's his name? Uh, someone um, else. Romanov. My bad. Yeah, yeah, Romanov. I like. I think Spivak would make sense. I mean, I don't know. coming off a... Uh, he loss. lost to Tom Aspinall. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that wouldn't be a bad matchup. Yeah, that'd be another good one. Yeah, they both play. lost to Aspinall, so I think that makes sense. Yeah, but Arlovsky just deserves a step up at this point. It's, I mean, four to five wins. Wasn't his one loss also to Aspinall, I believe? Yeah. It was him or Dawkins. It was Aspinall. It was a submission. Yeah, so there we go. It was, it was a crazy submission Vegas upset. Yeah, so there you go. Per- works out perfectly. Um, but, dude, we can just move around and down. I mentioned the old dogs pulling it out. Jim Miller, dude. Another Jim one, freaking Miller. At what, like, at what point? Are you going to just stop doubting this man? This man's 38 years old. He has Lyme disease. And just whenever I, I mentioned it last week, just whenever you think he's out, just whenever you think he's done, he lost two fights in a row going into this, three of four. He was out there 
facing Eric Gonzalez, young kid, young prospect, puts him out into oblivion, knocks him out in the second round. What are your thoughts on Jim Miller's performance on Saturday? I mean, it was impressive, man. I mean, he was hurt in that fight. He, he had to battle through adversity. He came back. I mean, it was a it was a heck of a performance, you know, honestly. He should be proud of himself. I'm proud of him. He's still doing it. He said he, said he wants to make it to UFC 300. Apparently, apparently, that's a while from now. Apparently, uh, John Annick said what what day that would fall on. And he'd be pretty um, old by then. It would it would be somewhere in 2024, I believe. I heard I thought I could have sworn I heard 2025, man. Regardless, though, I mean, lots of respect to him. I am, you know, this is why this is why I'm a fan of him, right? I mean, he, you know, uh, I I heard a great analogy. I guess would it be an analogy? I don't want to worry it wrong, but they were like, you know, he's a workman. You know, he puts on his uh his boots, his jeans, his his flannel, and his cowboy hat. It's nice shrug and he goes to work. That that's really what Jim Miller is to the UFC. You know what I mean? Mm. And I was like, oh man, I love that. That is so that is so true, right? I mean, there's no there's few other guys like him in the UFC, right? I mean, obviously you got guys like um, like Cowboy who've been doing that for a long mm-hmm. time, and uh, and him and and even Arlovski at this point, right? I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, Arlovski's been fighting before Dana is in the UFC. Did you know that? Like honestly, yes, Ar- Arlovski's been fighting. Um, He's been fighting longer than we've been alive, and it's not even particularly close. I think he's been around since 1999, 1998. He he out. He's been there longer than Dana, like you said. So that's just yeah, no, that's, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, it's awesome, man. Yeah, it really is. But as far as the rest of this card goes, man, it was an interesting one. But just what are some of the fights that you particularly want to go and highlight? I mean, obviously Manny Farrow, man, another. Good performance from her. Great striking. I mean, we know it, man. She's so talented. Uh, obviously, I want to see the competition keep getting better. Obviously, they're building her up, right? I mean, she's uh, yeah, she's young in the, in the division, right? You know, she's uh, as mm-hmm. far as like in the UFC, not over. She's been in here for a little bit now, but uh, you know, obviously, I want I want I want the competition to keep getting better. Get some other challenges. Get some people in there with some heavy wrestling, right? Put her to the test. Challenge her a bit. Cause uh, she's a very talented individual, man. I mean, we we know that at this point, and uh, I mean, let's just let's just get it rolling. And obviously, it's up to her to obviously be prepared and come into the fights. Cause I mean, there's some people that I'm sure she can beat who are, are ranked, you know, like mm-hmm. and she's not ranked. She could beat plenty of those gals, honestly. So just give it a bit of time, and I'm sure she'll be in the mix with those names. And obviously, I want to keep seeing great performance with her. Obviously, her get better. I mean, she only has. Nine professional fights. I mean, that's a lo- that's that's a lot. Don't get me wrong; it's still a lot for any any individual. But uh, obviously, get more experience under her belt, be tested, you know, be be battle proven. Because uh, obviously, her striking's a good aspect of her game, but obviously, that's gonna take her only so far when she gets into the to the top tier of uh, fighters who are you know the well-rounded, super complete individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that she's definitely one of the best prospects in that division. I think women's flyweight, um, obviously, we, it's kind of well known that it's not a good division right now. She's not lost since 2018 in a fight to Liam McCord, who we've been over as uh, a very good fighter on our right. And that was a fight, a weird catchweight 135. I believe Liam McCord fights at 145, correct, in Bellator? So she was – yeah, I believe she was a lot more undersized when that one must have taken place, so – uh, Menafero, she's very excellent. She's a great striker. Obviously, I read somewhere she's been doing like karate since she's been like literally five years old. So similar on those lines. Yeah. So and she's she's 31 now. I think that 
I don't want to see the clock's ticking because she is in her early 30s. But at the same time, I don't think I don't think we have a good grasp on how good women's MMA fighters can go. I mean, in MMA, we have a good we have a good grasp just because like we've seen them long enough. I can't think of a, of a women's MMA fighter that's gone very long outside of Mary, um, Marion Rennell, I believe. So I, I I want to say the clock is kind of ticking, but not really because 125 is such a bad division. Two good wins and she's there. So um, yeah, dude. But she had a great win. Very dominant one on Saturday. Uh, Nate Landwehr, dude, dude, this is – he continues to be one of the most entertaining guys in the UFC. He I did really not expect is. it, man. I'll be honest with you. I thought Luba Khan was going to come out of here and have a good performance. Yeah, and honestly, for the first round, see, as much as he's a wild man, Nate Landwehr is a really good fighter, man. I mean, Luba Klein in that first round, he was doing all the things great, dude. He was slowing down the fight. He was fighting at his range. He was throwing a lot of feints out there. Landwehr was biting on a lot of those feints. And not a whole lot was actually happening. Round two, you see it over the course of that round, dude. He starts getting more and more wild. Eventually, he catches some of the flurry with it. At the end of the second round, you can tell the tide had just completely turned. Like, all the everything had swung in the direction because he was able to make it a wild fight. Round three, he goes out and gets a submission. And like I said, dude, I did not expect it. I thought Louvoy Klein, I thought that was, a, that was a fight that I don't want to say it was tailor-made for him. But, you know, that was a fight that he should have won. Um, and he just got drawn into the firefight. And he, you know, full credit to Nate Landwehr, dude. Um, Bruno Silva got a nice one on the undercard. Danny Roberts. I, did you watch that fight, Danny Roberts versus Hamza Naive? No, did I miss out? Or was it a robbery? It was a weird fight. And I want to get your opinion because obviously you've not seen it. But that was a weird one, dude. Um, a very strange decision where it was back and forth. A lot of back and forth scrambles. Not a whole lot happened in terms of striking. But it's very much a very, if you're a grappling guy, I'm sure you would have liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, more speak to the audience on that terms, but yeah, I mean, as far as that one goes, it was definitely an interesting decision. Um, a lot of it was really, I believe they gave it the window to Dan Roberts just because he was more like defense. He was completely on the defense, but he was stuffing a lot of Emev's takedowns rather than giving it the fight to Emev, who is doing a more offensive, you know, grappling in terms of searching for takedowns. So it was, it was an interesting decision. I was surprised they gave it to him, but um, definitely pleasantly surprised. But and then, unfortunate note, Lupita Lupi Godinez not coming out on top. Um, looking to make history, she had a seven-day turnaround. Uh, the, that was the record for fastest turnaround in modern UFC history, but she was not able to get the dub. A close fight with Luna Carolina came down to that third round. She just was not able to pull it out. Very close fight, though. But, Angel, as far as, as, far as that fight card goes, that was an okay one. Uh, but I definitely think this weekend's one is a lot better on paper, particularly the main card and definitely the main event. A 195-pound catchweight fight, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute as the rise of catchweight. Paulo Costa, Marvin Vittori, a battle of Israel Adesanya's sons. Uh, both these men are coming off of bad losses to the champion Israel Adesanya. Obviously, Costa was knocked out at this point in time last year. Vittori is coming off of a wide decision loss to Izzy in June. Very interesting fight. Um, uh, as far as for why it's a catch weight, Costa just came in heavy, and I'm not sure if he decided he didn't want to cut weight or he just started late or something happened. Regardless, it's at 195, also known as Franklin weight um, <laughs> for, all, for all my old fans out there. All my old Rich Franklin fans who, for some reason throughout UC history, I believe had like three or four catchweights at 195 
because he was just in the middle for a lot of those fights. So they're having the old Franklin Wade returning to their old stopping grounds. So that should be fun. Angel, you mentioned on the show before, on the pre-show, I guess, um, to me, that uh, you're not sure who you're leaning towards. We're 20 minutes into the show, man. Um, eh, who are you leaning towards in the main event of UFC Vegas 40? Oh, man. You, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what I think the intelligent choice is. Okay. So I think that Vittori is a smart choice here. You know what it is? I think, for what it's worth, he's actually a really smart fighter when he wants to be. He has all the good physical attributes. He has good pressure. I think he could deal with Paulo's striking and his. And if he decides to wrestle wrestling, I think he could avoid some of the takedowns. I think there could be a lot of cage wrestling if Paulo really wants to put pressure on him. I feel like that would be the smart fight. Tire him out. Getting against a cage, it's a five-round event. You're fresh. You've only cut down to 195. You're probably going to be the bigger dude in there, honestly. A little bit over Vittori, I imagine. Not by a lot, but by a little bit. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh... But I think Vittori, I feel like Vittori could be smart about this, man. I feel like he could avoid the takedowns if there's any takedowns attended. I think he can do well against the cage if there's any cage pressure. And I feel like if there's any chaos, he can control it. And I feel like he could eat some good shots. I feel like he can take some good shots, too. And I feel like it goes, and the, the same applies for Paul. I feel like Paul could take a shot to eat, you know, give a shot, right? They both have that ability, I'm pretty sure. Power, mm. I feel like surprisingly they're a little close. I'm not going to lie to you. Maybe, maybe Paulo a, a, a decent bit more, you know? But I feel like Vittori has some underrated power. It's there, but it doesn't always shine through fully. Mm. Uh, but I think I think Vittori could come into discipline flatter. Obviously, he was ready to make way. He knows what he has. He probably has a great game plan. He, I'm sure he was already planning for this fight well before Paulo was. And like you said, Paulo has been kind of an interesting guy lately. I don't know how he's going to come in. You know, I don't know how how prepared he is. He, he seemed he seemed like he had those distractions earlier in the year. He was kind of going crazy a little bit. Not like crazy in the sense of like doing crazy shit, but he was uh, he was acting up a bit, you know. We didn't understand why, so I'm curious to see if he comes back and uh, you know acts as you know is is the Paulo Costa of the uh, of that Yoel Romero fight, you know, going forward, walking down the fucking soldier of God, no fear, you know what I mean? Bringing mm-hmm. the fight to him, not being afraid to get countered by him, you know. It's gonna be dependent on that, or if we're gonna get the. You know, a little bit more hesitant guy who fought Israel Adesanya, was having trouble going in, didn't know how to deal with the, the range, and was getting caught by those body kicks, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we saw they had those cupping on the, the the cupping down on his legs, and that's why Izzy attacked those legs early on. And I don't know, is Vittori going to do the same thing? Is he going to attack the leg as well? Because he saw Izzy do it. Is he going to cup in with some, I don't know if he has any cupping marks. You know, is there any cupping any on his body again? Because he's dealing with some issues. Or has he gotten that resolved? I mean, there's a lot of questions around around Paulo and Vittori's been the more active guy, man. He's been really active. What's he had like three, four fights this year. I mean, I think that's something we haven't really thought about. Uh, mm. Or it might seem like that, at least in, in this time span, or, or, or he's been active throughout the last two years. Obviously he had the Carl Roberson fight in the middle of last year, Jack Hermanson late in the year, followed by Kevin Holland earlier this year. And obviously he fought Izzy uh, in the middle of this year as well. So he's been a very active fighter the last year, like the last two years. And he's been in there. He's been in the mix. He, he's he's been in it. And we haven't seen uh, the Tory since that uh, Izzy loss since in, uh, last year, late last year. So I wonder if he's recovered well from it. It's been over a year now, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's going to be – there's going to be a lot – I think there's a lot of questions with Paulo. I think we have a lot of questions with Paulo. We don't really have all those questions with Vittori. Mm-hmm. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I think he laid out a solid case there. I mean, as far as this this one goes, I think 
I think you're completely correct in that Vittori is the smart pick. The way I look at these guys, it's kind of like I look at Costa, and it's not to say that like he's better than him, because I think if I I look at these guys kind of in an interesting, different way. Um, I think if you were to look at them as like just pure fighters, I think Costa has the higher ceiling, but he has a much lower floor than Vittori does. You know what I mean? Like, Vittori is very consistent. For all of my knocks on him, as far as, like, maybe he's not a good enough striker to strike with the best, maybe he'll get out-wrestled by certain guys in the division. He's very well-rounded in all areas. He has an amazing chin. He has great stamina and a great gas tank. I mean, what was his fight against Izzy? I believe it was only the second. Actually, he's gone five rounds twice. I take that back. Um, so, yeah, he's gone five rounds twice against Manson and Izzy, and he looked in great phenomenal shape both times. I don't know if Costa can go five rounds, and I also know Vittori has a chin made of just steel, dude. I don't think he's ever even got hurt. I think he got hurt once against Kevin Holland, and that was it. Which is weird. Um, that, that was the guy to do it. Yeah, and it was in round five uh, where he was, like, a little bit more tired. So it was it was a weird shot. I just remember, If I remember correctly, it was like a right hand just right through the guard that hurt him. Um, but then he got a takedown right afterwards, so it didn't really matter. Um, but yeah, dude, I just think there's too many unknowns with Costa. I really think that. I mean, this weird catchweight thing, dude. This is really off guard. Um, it, and it's it, it, part of me wonders if he's just playing mind games because his weight that he said he was he was weighing, he said he weighed 211, um, which sounds ridiculously big. But then it's like whenever his weight was measured in California, he weighed like 211. Something around like the same exact weight. So he's a big boy regardless, and he's made the cut before. Does he, did he just not want to do it? I guess that that may be it. Um, so, yeah, dude, I'm after thinking about it a little bit more. I am going to go ahead and go more Vittori. I think this is just a fight, dude, that um, I didn't like. I didn't really like them booking it for Costa's return just because I think, um, for one thing, I think you can sell a rematch with him and Izzy down the line. But this oh, is yeah. a tough matchup for him, dude. This is a really, really tough matchup. And um, I mean, Vittori's in a terrible spot, too, as far as, like, getting that bell again, as long as Izzy's champ. Yeah. I mean, I think they could probably do a third fight somewhere down a, the line. A trilogy? Really? I think it'd be a while. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, it'd be a while, and I'm saying they could. I don't think they would, though. I don't think he'll be fighting for the title again as long as it's Izzy, if I'm being quite honest. At least in our lifetime, I don't think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Fair obviously. enough. Fair enough. I mean, I think, obviously, I mean, Izzy, we're all we're all – so we're both talking about this like it's a like a given that he's going to be robert so i guess you know i don't know man i'm saying if he if he is that's why i said if he is still yeah. champ you know i don't think he'll get the the chance in the title again obviously yeah, well, these guys are in a bad situation i think i mean vittori's in much worse because like i said i think he could sell a rematch with costa down the line oh yeah which is weird because he got finished he got outclassed way worse than vittori did but because vittori's been beaten twice it's like you know yeah. you can't really do it in eight rounds, you know, like it's, it's been a decision every time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'll say the first fight was closer, but you can see by the second fight, there's a, there's like a gulf between them. Like it's oh, yeah. gotten, it's gotten much wider, but you know, I'm assuming you're, you're also going Vittoria. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going Vittoria. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a Vittoria. Yeah. All right. Just want to go ahead and make sure, but yeah. So, um, moving on down the card, dude, as far as this main card goes, it is pretty interesting. Co-main event. I think it's a really, really good fight. It's a weird one. Weird booking. But I think it's a good fight. Uh, I didn't Grant, make sense for me at the time. Yeah, Grant Dawson, um, obviously 17-1, coming off a knockout over um, Leonardo Santos. Great performance there. Taking on Rick Glenn. 
weird call here. Um, obviously, I'm, I like Rick Lynn. I mean, but we've clearly seen there's a clear ceiling for him. Um, you know, he's beaten some good guys. Gavin Tucker, Felipe Nover. He's coming off a of winner with Joaquin Silva back in June. But he's there's I think there's a clear, you know, not a talent disparity, but in terms of like what we've seen on their pure performance inside the cage, it seems like there's a massive difference between these two. I feel like Grand Austin deserves a better step up. But what do you think about this fight uh, and the co-main slot, and who do you got? I mean, I, I talked to you about it, man. I thought Grant Dawson was going to get that increase in competition was going to fight a ranked opponent. I guess, obviously, after that, uh, Leonardo Santos went, especially because he was close to losing that fight. I don't know if you remember, Josh. He was he was really close to losing that in a decision. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, he battled back through adversity, got that finish. He needed to win via finish, and he got it, which obviously impressive, shows some uh, maturity. But at the same time, it's like, I'm guessing the UFC should have thought that he should have beat a guy like Leonardo who... You know, even with all his experience and the win, in the crazy win streak he was on over over a, you know a lot of years, you know he uh, he should have ended that in a sooner and a more impressive fashion. It was still impressive that he got it in the end, but it, it shouldn't have taken as long as it did against an older guy like that, and especially a guy who is his talent, you know, or we think is his talent. And uh, they give him this matchup, which I'm kind of like, okay. I mean, I thought he should have got the call up to to fight a ranked guy. It's just me, but I mean. I'm sure that after if he wins this, he'll get it. Uh, obviously, his opponent's very talented. You know, he finds himself in this good position. I mean, I think he should be able to get it done if he is this if he is this prospect, if he is this guy who is you know if that 17 and one record is true to him and, and true to his skill set. He'll come out and be 18 and one after Saturday. He has mm-hmm. all the talent. It's just whether or not he shows up that night and performs. Because against Leonardo Santos, it was a bit lacking. Let's be real. It was a bit lacking until the very end when he came out on top. And it was because mm-hmm. he got the finish. Fair enough. I mean, I didn't – I mean, shit, dude. I didn't think it was a lack of performance personally. Um, just because I think I rate Leonardo Santos a lot higher than a lot of other people do. Just because even if he is old, I mean, that True. resume don't lie, dude. That's all That I'm resume saying, don't but. lie, but the guy is 40-something years old. They got a young yeah. guy who's, you know – uh, you know, has oh, yeah. only one loss in his career. It, it, it really should have been. He really should have came out there and made a statement early on. You know what I mean? That, yeah, that no, was, I get it. I, get I think that's what there was their goal was. You know, they gave him a a seasoned veteran who's still in it, but has a lot of wins and could sneakily beat him. And that guy almost did beat him. A few more seconds and he wins that fight. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know what, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It's just, it, that's a fact of life. It really is. There's a world where Leonardo Santos wins that and he's fighting for a title. Josh, not. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, dude. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and go. Obviously, I mean, I like Rick Glenn, like I mentioned earlier. I, I like that guy, but he's always he always comes to bang. He's had a couple of great performances. Uh, I am gonna go ahead and go Grant Dawson here. I mean, something I think uh, we should have mentioned is something I didn't even realize until right now. Part of the reason why we're wondering why Rick Glenn's in this fight. This is actually supposed to be Carlos Diego Fajera, but he had to pull out due to injury. Uh-huh. So Rick Glenn's taking this on a month notice. So that's that's the reason why. Um, but yeah, I I mean I don't like this fight for for Rick Glenn. I'm gonna go ahead and take Grand Dawson here. Um, relatively straightforward. Um, but as far as the rest of the card goes, man, I did mention how I like the main card. Um, but what are some of the fights that you particularly are most looking forward to on Saturday? Uh oh man, well Alex Caceres, man, he's back, baby. He's riding a little win streak. I talked about how I wanted to see him in a ranked fight against a lower guy. I guess this isn't a bad place for him. To go, obviously, good appointed banger of a fight. I'm sure these guys will come out and give a great performance. And Sung Wo Chu, and 
I mean, dude, I mean, he has been on an interesting trajectory, right? I mean, he definitely was one of those guys coming out of the Ultimate Fighter who we thought had this decent potential. He was a good personality. He's gotten a lot older now, a lot more seasoned. Uh, it seemed like he wasn't improving in the right spots at the time. Uh, I don't know if he's there yet, but he definitely still has his issues. But, uh, I mean, hey, man, he's riding this wave right now, and hopefully it doesn't stop. Hmm. Yeah, and he was actually ranked for, I believe, one week after his last win. So that's a he great— was. Yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah, and then he got taken out immediately. I don't remember for who, but, um, yeah, dude, shout out to Alex Caceres for being ranked for one week. Yeah, he's on—I uh, mean, arguably—I mean, the second-best run of his career, uh, with the exception of um, whenever he fought. I think he got, like, a five-fight win streak before he's fighting its favor. Um, so, yeah, dude, it, it's crazy to think about how long he's been in the UFC. I mean, he's been in the UFC for 11 years, which is mind-blowing. Um, but yeah, dude, he's taking on Sung Woo Choi, uh, who's really turned around his, his UFC career, dude. He's a guy who started off 0-2, and was on the edge of verge, he's on the verge of being cut, faces Suman Mokhtarian, gets a nice win, and ever since then, he's not looked back. Um, three wins in a row going into this one, that's a very fun match between those two. I hope Kaceres keep the train rolling, man. I really hope so. He's a fun guy, he's a good dude. Still only 33, so let's see what Bruce Leroy can do. As he's seemingly just hitting his prime, which is crazy to think about. But, dude, as far as the rest of the card goes, Jessica Rose Clark coming back. Big fan of her. Dwight Grant versus Francisco Ternaldo should be a banger. That's all, man. Um, yeah, first fight opening up the main card with Ike Villanueva. Fun fact, every single one of his USC fights have ended via knockout. So be sure not to blink in that one. Um, Angel, your boy Mason Jones is coming back on the undercard of this one. Kama Worthy versus Jai Herbert. He's going to be on the card, which should be a banger. Uh, Livia Souza taking on Randa Marcos should be fun. And then a bunch of other fights as well in addition to that. So, dude, very, very fun weekend for fights. Um, but I honestly, I mean, as, as fun as this one is, I, I got to be honest, Angel. I'm more looking forward to Bellator this weekend. Well, yeah, Josh, be honest, I mean, Bellator is Bellator 269. I mean, the GOAT is fighting, Josh. That's why. The GOAT, the GOAT is fighting. Um I guess, I mean, I was originally going to have this recap built for 268, but I guess we'll go ahead and talk about that afterwards. I really just want to crack into this one. Fedor Emelianenko, for my money, the GOAT of MMA, not just heavyweights. If you say Steve is a heavyweight GOAT, we already know you're a casual. But if you <laughs> if you don't have Fedor in your GOAT conversation, you just get get you out of here. You don't know shit about fighting. Get out of here, man. Get, get out of here. here. You know, get out of here. Um, you don't know shit about fighting, okay? Fedor Emelianenko, for my money, the goat. I, I like I said, I've, I've my ranking list. It's it's weird, but I have Fedor one. That's the always consistent part for me. If you look at this guy's resume, it's 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 a it's a Hall of Fame list. If we're being completely honest here, Quentin Jackson, Chael Sonnen, Frank Mir, Pedro Hizo, Jeff Monson, uh, Andre Olaski, Tim Sylvia, Mark Hunt, Mark Coleman, Crow Cop. Noguera, Randleman, Fujita, Goodridge. I'm, I'm probably missing some. Hanato Sabaral, Semi Schilt, Heath Herring, and like the Burt Rogers. Like there, it is. It is ridiculous. His resume, for my money, is one of the greatest of all time, and I think he is the greatest of all time. Uh, shout out Ricardo Rona. This is another one that I missed. There's so many. That being said, he is now 45, and he's very. He's been very vocal about the fact. That um, after his last fight, where he knocked out Rampage, he's like, you know what, I got I got two more left of me, and I and he actually came out yesterday during media day and kind of hinted 
he wants to end his fight, his his fighting career. It's one of the greatest of all time. He wants to end it with some gold around his waist. And so in in turn, he's fighting in a fight that we ridiculed a lot, but we've actually kind of gotten more into the groove about. He's facing Timothy Johnson, who he's ranked number two in the Bellator heavyweight rankings, coming off a loss for the interim Bellator heavyweight world championship back in June. Um, Timothy Johnson, not a huge name in the UFC. He did have a, a so-and-so run. Uh, he beat Shamil Durahimov. He beat Tybora. Uh, he beats a couple of good guys, lost to a couple of not-so-good guys, Jared Rochal. <clears throat> but, you know, since moving over to Bellator, he's found his groove. Uh, he beat Tyrell Fortune, Matt Mitrione, and Chick Congo leading into that title fight where he lost to Valentin Moldovsky, who's actually Fedor's protege. So, Angel, dude, we've, we've gone back and forth on this one a lot. Um, it just For some reason, we, we haven't even really meant to come up and talk about it, but just it's just come up through the topic of conversation on this show. Um, so, dude, we are, we're a couple days out. What are your thoughts on Fedor versus Tim Johnson going down in Fedor's home country of Russia? I mean, there's so many other people that got to gave him for one. Let's just be honest about that, and I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there. But you know something? I don't give a fuck, man, because the greatest of all time is doing it back in his home country, man. He's going to beat it. Tim fucking Johnson, Josh. He's going to put him fucking out. Dude, you were – all I hear from you is how amazing Tim Johnson is, and now you're hopping off the hype train that quick? That I'm not quick? hopping off the time drain. It just shows how amazing Fedor is in comparison to Tim Johnson. Where's the respect for Big Tim, dude? You're not even showing him any respect. He made this fight competitive. I showed all the respect to Jim Johnson, but this just shows how amazing Fedor is. <laughs> you know something, Josh? I remember I have a video, I have a phone, I have a clip on my phone of me recording myself in my car talking about how today I was going to make the greatest case against Tim Johnson for Fedor to beat Tim Johnson. Well, here's the thing is that, um, yeah, so I'm just going to go and say this. You're wrong. I don't think that only – here's the thing. I've gone back and forth on this. I think Fedor Melanenko, like I said earlier, is the greatest fighter of all time. I don't think there's a close second, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, if you look at his resume being undefeated for well over a decade at heavyweight, where it only takes one, and to beat the names that he's beaten, his resume is ridiculous. His his fighting style was ferocious. His defense was impregnable. He ate their children, okay? Fedor Melanenko in his prime was a monster. But he's 45 now, and I go back and forth off of this big reason. He said he wants to fight for a title, and that's something – not necessarily. He didn't outright say it, but he gave off that vibe at Media Day, um, which is something I noticed. That's part of the reason he wanted to fight Tim Johnson because Tim Johnson's high-ranked. He wins this. He gets a fight, maybe a rematch against Bader, yada, yada, yada down the line. The other reason being I think he coached against Tim Johnson for Valentin Moldovsky, so maybe there's something he noticed whenever he was – um, you know, doing the game plan, coaching his protege against Tim Johnson. But, dude, did you watch their their stare down earlier today? No, Tim I Johnson didn't. looks like a different – he looks multiple weight classes bigger. I understand Fedor is always a smaller guy, but this is bigger than normal. Like, Tim Johnson looks huge compared to Fedor. Um, and, dude, I just got to say it. I think Tim Johnson's not only going to win. I think he's going to knock out Fedor early in this one, dude. I don't even think it's going to be close. Like, Tim Johnson, Fedor Milenko right now is not – he's not a great fighter. He's 45. 
I mean, dude, five years ago, think about this. Five years ago, we thought Fedor was washed whenever he went life and death with Fabio Maldonado. That was five years ago, dude. Over five, actually. That was in June of 2016. There's nothing that Fedor has shown me since then for me to think, oh, yeah, he could beat Tim Johnson, who's in his prime right now. Which is weird to say because Tim Johnson's not like you don't you don't really think of like a guy like Tim Johnson having a prime, but yeah, he's in he's in the prime of his career right now. I don't even think it's gonna be close, dude. And it depresses me. It really makes me sad because I I never liked this booking because I thought you know if you look at Fedor's career, at least the guys he's lost to, I'm like you know fucking Fabricio Hall of Famer, Bigfoot Silva, maybe not a Hall of Famer, but in his prime, excellent guy. Dan Henderson Hall of Famer, Matt Mitrione not Hall of Famer, very good guy. Ryan Bader. Not Hall of Fame, but very, very good guy. You know what I mean? Tim Johnson breaks that mold. So it's a little bit sad from that aspect. But, dude, I mean, do you, how do you see Fatal winning this fight? I'm genuinely curious. First round knockout. You see him catching him. Yes. It's the only way. Tim Johnson has been knocked out three times in his career. So, you know I mean? It's possible, I guess. And the fourth time is going to happen to Fedor. <laughs> You think he's got the hand speed on him, I assume? Fuck no. <laughs> but he's going to land that one big shot. He's going to hit him with a fucking counter right. You'll see. You know you know what's funny? <laughs> we, Whenever we argue about Tim Johnson, I'm pretty sure it's the inverse argument than what we're having right now. Because you say I don't give him enough respect, but I'm saying he's going to beat the GOAT right now. Now, so. now. now you do. Well, it had nothing to do with his Moldovsky fight that made me that made me think that. But yeah, I, I am giving him his justice. I, I sold this case so well, and that Josh has to be on his side. That's what it is. And you didn't sell the case. I just think Fedor's washed. Well, yeah, yeah, no fucking surprise. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what you mean, dude. You didn't really, you have to, you did not have to sell me on shit. I just think Fedor's washed as hell, bro. And it makes me sad. I mean, I mean, if you argue that Fedor is a heavyweight goat, it's like. That's a, you know, like, you ever see, like, the red flag thing going around on Twitter right now? If you say Stipe is the heavyweight go, that's a massive red flag to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's sus. Oh, you should need three title, fen- title defenses to be considered the use of the heavyweight go? Get the fuck out of here. Get out. I, I mean, it's only, that's, isn't that the highest number? Surprisingly. Like, yeah, it's ever- three. It's Stipe has three. That's wild. So, you know, there you go. It's not like Fedor literally won. Let me go, actually. I can go count. It's something along the lines of, like, 26 fights in a row at heavyweight against the best of the best of the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but Steve is the GOAT because, you know, he fights fires and all that. So, anyways, um, UFC he propaganda. He fires. <laughs> U- UFC, UFC propaganda. I'm just saying, like, if, if Stipe wasn't so likable, nobody would care. It's that and UFC propaganda. That's all, dude. You really think Stipe's that likable? It's funny because I'm not going to get into it, but. I mean, we can get we, we have time to film. Why not? Let's get into it. I don't think I he's never, I, I don't think he's a super likable. I don't dis, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say, okay, I don't like Stipe, but I don't dislike Stipe either. Dude, you sense. know, here's I'm a weird. In, what's, I mean, what's the word for it? I'm indifferent. Yeah, yeah, I mean. If Stipe weren't a firefighter, then I don't think many people would necessarily care about him. No, well, let me, oh, that's a terrible thing to say. Let me take that back. I think that's part of the reason that he's so beloved is because he does this amazing service. Josh is like, but if he was a cop. <laughs> no, okay. But, I mean, yes, but that's part of the reason why so many people defend him because they think he's such a great guy. And as a human being, he's significantly much better than me. 
but I don't when I like look at that I'm like yeah that's that's awesome that's an awesome thing that doesn't in, that doesn't impact my thoughts on him as a fighter and his ability you know what I mean um, but a lot of people really let that outside stuff kind of cloud their vision in terms of like pure performance and in terms of pure performance for putting prime against prime, I think Fedor mops him. So, I mean, I think a lot of guys mop Stipe if they're in their prime. I think Cain Velasquez actually might even mop him. Actually, I think that back Cain Velasquez in his prime does mop him. In fact, I think Cain's probably the second greatest. If we're talking heavyweight goat, I think it's, it's Cain number two. Man, fuck injuries, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's depressing as hell. But if you look at the way he beat Junior, dude, he beat Junior, Bigfoot, all the not little, not excuse me, not little nog, big nog, who that point in his career was still really, really good. He just beat the shit out of him. Like, none of those fights are even close. Um, we are getting a bit off topic, though. I am going to go ahead and take Tim Johnson here. Big Tim. I think he's going to get the big win. Um, it's depressing, though. It's really, really depressing. Uh, co-main event, though, Vitaly Minikov. We'll just go ahead and get this one straight out of the way. Um, I think the more interesting topic here, not as if Vitaly Minikov is going to win, because he's uh, taking on short notice plays in Saeed Sawama, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Uh, but more about Minikov's future. Uh, Vitaly Minikov is 36. He's notably had a lot of visa issues. Um, he's only fought, you know, tw- excuse me, I believe twice in the last, what, five years, I believe. A loss to Czech Congo and a winning it's Tim Johnson, who's fighting in the main event, beating via knockout. Um, but let's go and get, yeah, first round knockouts. Let's go and get this pick out of the way. You got Vitaly Minikov into destruction, right? Oh yeah. Unless I saw, oh, I just decides to come out here and be a fucking brute force that's unforeseen. Is this Saeed's uh, Bellator debut? It is, right? No, no, no. He fought Tyrell Fortune, took him to a. a oh, you're right. My bad. I completely forgot. Yeah, we yeah we already talked about that. Yeah, he 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 did beat Ronnie Marks. Ryan Marks is not a bad guy. So we'll go ahead and we'll give him credit there. Ronnie Marks he shouldn't be fighting at heavyweight. Because um, I believe yep. he used to fight in the UFC at something like middleweight, I believe, or light heavy. So oh, it's weird that he's middleweight. Heavy. Yeah, so um, weird, weird there. But, yeah, Ronnie Marks is not a bad fighter by any means. So, yeah, I mean, if Saeed, he could put out, you know, I'm sure it would be a fun fight, but I, this is a massive, like – I don't know. I, I'm really high on Vitaly Minikov. Everybody is, um, bro. It's just, it's so disappointing that he, I mean, his one loss even to Congo, I, I really just think he laid an egg and he was just like, I don't think that was more him getting dominated. It was just a more like a one-time freak occurrence in that one. Um, but yeah, dude, Minikov, I hope he can get a win here. I would love to see him fight more consistently. I understand it's out of his control. And the only reason why he's fighting in here is because they're going to Russia. Um but anytime we want Vitaly Minikov is able to fight, it's always a fun time. So I'm happy he's back. Is there any other fights on this card, which is mostly Russian-based fighters, that stand out to you? Uh, I mean, we got to we got to highlight a, a family member, right, of someone very special in the sport, Usman Nurmagomedov at 160. By the way, I don't know if you saw that. I did. I believe. Um, well, actually, I'm not gonna. It did opponent why. change though. I think it did opponent yeah, change. Yeah, I believe. I was about to say. I'm pretty sure because it's uh, Pat, our boy Patrick Patila, is coming in on short notice. Yeah. So. By the way, holy, holy fucking mismatch, dude. God damn. He's eleven and, and eight. <laughs> he's, uh, he's eleven and eight. He actually his last fight was a loss to, to uh, Ryan Roddy in 2019. Yeah, 2019. He's coming in on short notice to fight Usman Magomedov. That's a tough fight, man. It's a tough ask. He's, he's about to be 11 and 9. <laughs> he's about to be 11 and 9. You're right. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, that's a that's a rough one. That's a really really rough. So, yeah. But I mean, it's it, it's a, you know Bellator does it sometimes. This type of card, it's um, it, it's one of those weird ones where they kind of just throw a lot of guys from their home country into it. The other fight I'm most looking forward to is the opening one on the main card. Anthony Takov, who I'm a big fan of. This kid's 29 and two. And his resume is ridiculous. His only loss is, is to Hamzam Amiev and Magomed Magomedgurov back in 2011. Um, those were his only two losses. And if you look at his Bellator run, dude, it is killers. He beat Alexander Shlomenko, Gerald Harris, and he beat, you know, Horacho Durapian. Not not a great win there. But his other two wins against Shlomenko and Gerald Harris, two excellent wins there. Uh, so that one, him opening up the main card should be fun. So, yeah, dude, very, very – um. I believe this card is actually going down. It's something like 8, 8, 8 a.m. our time, Angel. So it's going to be early, yeah. It's going to be an early one, dude. But I suppose we should go ahead and talk about Bellator last week. Um, which, dude, I mean, it wasn't entirely unexpected. But in the main event, Vadim Nemkov getting the win, Bellator 268. Uh, the footprint center in Phoenix, Arizona. Got the win over Julius Angelikas. He did survive an early scare, getting knocked down in round one. Um, but he did ultimately persevere, get our Kimura submission round number four, co-main events, which I figured we should kind of tie it in. Corey Anderson knocks out Ryan Bader in 51 seconds. Corey Anderson still not getting respect he deserves after that. I feel like just always getting shit on. Um, but um, so we're officially set, dude. Bellator's light heavyweight Grand Prix tournament will come to an end likely early next year. For the light heavyweight world championship, Vadim Nemkov versus Corey Anderson. First of all, what is your early impression of that fight? And I, I got I got to follow up with this. Scott Coker said that the winner of that fight will be the greatest light heavyweight on the planet. Angel, do you believe that the winner of Vadim Nemkov Corey Anderson will be the greatest light heavyweight on the planet? It's a good runner up, I'll tell you that. It's a good runner up, but no. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, um. We'll go ahead and throw that this other one back to you. What do you think about Nemkov and Anderson? Early impressions on that matchup. Banger of a matchup. I mean, it's a hard matchup for Vadim, honestly. Honestly, as as it's been, Vadim's been the one who's been battle proven, dude, through these uh two fights. You know what I mean? Let's be honest. Uh, in his fight against Phil Davis, obviously he had had that match before. It was a close decision last time. Split. He came out on top on that. Went to distance. Looked a little, looked more damaged than his opponent, but still won the fight. And then against Anglicus, he got hurt, man. He had he got hurt and he had to come back and, and battle through that. Mm-hmm. Whereas Corey, I mean, hey man, I mean, I'm gonna say obviously he didn't have this uh, the easier route anyways, like definitely not easier. But against our boy Yags, you know, he got a little clipped. He won at midway, but he did, but he won that in, in impressive fashion. And against Bader, I mean, he put him out so quick, man. I mean, he hasn't really had to deal with a lot, but I mean, that just goes to show how good he is, right? Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I'm very, very excited for this matchup. I don't know if the greatest light heavyweight on the planet. Honestly, I mean, head-to-head, Nemkov or Anderson against Jan. We already know how Jan versus Corey plays out. I, I would have loved to see a trilogy fight between those two. Um, just because, obviously, I mean, it's underrated how badly of an ass-kicking Anderson gave to Jan that first fight. Um, he, I believe he 30-25'd him. I mean, it was one of the most brutal fights of... Um, Corey Anderson's career. If you go back and watch that one, which is something he pointed out on Twitter, he's like, I, I beat this guy badly, dude. 
Um, and then obviously Jan knocked him out in their, their second fight, which happened uh, early last year. So I would love to see a trilogy fight between those two down the line. Um, head-to-head, Vadim versus Jan sounds like a fucking amazing fight. I'm not sure if Vadim beats him, though. So I'll, I'll push back and get Scott for a minute there. As far as the match, as far as the match goes, like just directly, goddamn, what a fight, dude! Um, it's not any, it's not Rumble Johnson versus Vadim, which is what we're supposed to get um, this round. But dude, it's an excellent fight. I, I like I've said, I, like I said on Twitter, Corey Anderson is the most underrated man in MMA, and uh, I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure what it is that makes fans just hate this man. But I'm sure you sure saw it on Twitter, Angel. I mean, you're on there. I'm sure you saw a lot of people giving him shit. Um. And I'm not sure why. I mean, if you look at his resume, dude, Ryan Bader, Melvin Manhoff, Johnny Walker, Lee Latifi, Glover Tasharek, Patrick Cummins, um, Tom Waller, obviously Jan, it's ridiculous. He's an insane resume. He left the UFC ranked number four. And I saw some people were talking about how he, he, you know, he wasn't even good in UFC. He couldn't cut it. And now he's belt or number one contender. It's like, come on, guys, come on. Um, but yeah, that's going to be an excellent fight. I think that's going to be Vadim's biggest test so far. Um, we'll see if he can kind of replicate the strategy that Phil Davis used in their first fight, um, which was to kind of get in close, use the wrestling, use the leg kicks, kind of keep him more on the outside. But I don't know, man. It's going to be a very, very interesting fight. I think Corey Anderson, with like the confidence now that he's starting to find in his hands, it's going to be a hell of a fight, dude. It's going to be a, one hell of a fight. Um, as far as the rest of the card goes, though, man, what are some of the other fights you want to go and highlight? I know that there's a couple of uh, high-profile ones that did go down last Saturday. I'm a bit sad that I didn't get to see this one. But I heard Carl Rexton versus Jags was a fucking banger. Did you catch it for me? I'm sad. Oh, dude, it was an absolute banger. Dude, I heard it's fucking great. Can you give me like a little rundown on it real quick while we're on air? Mm, I'm not going to give you a full round because I don't remember exactly what happened. But from what I remember... Yeah, I said little. I didn't say big. Yeah, fair enough. So from what I remember, um, if I remember correctly, our boy Jags came out firing. Um, and I remember correctly, Carl had to like push back against him at the end of the night. It was just like, if I remember correctly, Yogg's round one clear. And then Elbert Trin somewhere during like the second half of round number two, just turned the fucking tide ridiculously. You know, they got to finish around three ends of going to a decision wins a close decision. It was a hell of a fight though, dude. Um, overall, I mean, it was a fun night of fights outside of that. I mean, dude, Carl Elbert Trin, I don't know if he like, he deserves the title shot after the tournament is done, right? Like, can we agree on that for a minute? I mean, probably. Like, man. he has to get it. He's won four fights in a row, two of which were in Bellator. He beat Victor Nemkov, his brother. So I think that's probably what they're setting up for. I mean, probably is. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they'll make him fight one more, and then they'll be like, yeah, it's your time to shine. Maybe they'll give mm-hmm. him someone from the tournament. Maybe he's 28, maybe, man. He's young. Maybe he fights Rumble, and if Rumble comes back. No, nah, Rumble's going to be gone for a while, Josh. It's it, it's quite re- – I mean, like I said, I heard his health issues were quite, like, uh, to the level of a might-not-fight-ever-again type thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know it was that bad. I figured it was more like a be-out-for-a-year type thing. No, 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 not be-out-for-a-year. Like, li- like life is – like, could affect the rest of his life, like, may never fight again type shit or shouldn't fight again. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, I'm sure they'll get somebody fun for Carl. Did you watch Brent Primus by Ben versus Benson Henderson by chance? I did watch that. Dude, what a banger, dude. Brent Primus, very underrated. But. I mean, you're telling me, man. I mean, I know he's underrated. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, dude, that, I mean, it sucks. I'm a massive Benson Henderson fan. I've always thought like, um, he's just perennially underrated. I remember in our lightweight draft, I don't remember where I took him, but I remember took him really, really high up. Um, whenever we did that. So yeah, dude, I'm, I'm still a massive fan of him. Bit of a shame that it, his career is kind of going like this. Cause that's three bad losses in a row. I think he's got to go back to the drawing board, but yeah, dude, overall a fun night of fights, uh, last Saturday as far as the MMA world goes, as far as the boxing world goes, is there anything else we talk about before we close out the show, my guy? I mean, no, nothing in specific, nothing in particular, I should say. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as it is, man, I mean, like we said, this week, everything kind of ramps up again, you know. I guess the one thing that did happen was uh, Dillian White out, right? Mm-hmm. Dillian White is out. Dillian uh, White is out, and the rumor on that is that he's going out because he wants to try and get the Fury fight. That he kind of withdrew with injury, quote unquote, so that they can try and redo the fairy fight. Because once they withdrew, they're basically like, yeah, we don't really want to fight the lean. Which is kind of fucked up. Yeah, man, that's how it goes, honestly. That is. Also, I heard a rumor that it was because of ticket sales. Really? Um, yeah, I, I somebody sent me like a graph on Twitter. It was like ridiculous, like how the vast majority of the arena that they booked for it, there's nothing. It's completely you know, completely open. That's rough. Yeah, it could be a variety of things, but yeah, that's a shame. Um, boxing, though, is going to ramp up. MMA is going to ramp up. I know there's going to be a couple of, there's going to be a big fight booking, which should be announced in the next week for boxing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah very, very big one. Not, I, I don't have any sources, not any inside ones, but I know. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a very, very big one announced in the next couple of days. So we'll go ahead and, We'll go ahead and see. But, yeah, I mean, as far as it goes, if you don't have anything else, I don't either. But, uh, as always, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Feel free to go ahead and make sure to always, you know, follow us on social media. I'm at Josh Devinoff. He's at AndrewTaker underscore 01. I quit site sound one for all things related to the show. Uh, feel free to rate us on iTunes. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on anything that you listen to us uh, through. We appreciate it. Uh, and always, um, take care. If you guys enjoyed, peace and butt grease. Mouse click.